This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash checkthelocks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to Check the Locks Presents True Crime for the short on time. As always, I'm John Connor. I'm Olivia Cornu. Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying, bite-sized true crime case. Before we get started, as always, Olivia, it's wonderful to see you. How are you? I'm doing really good, but we're going to not talk about me. This is your birthday eve episode. It is. I turn 107 tomorrow. <laughs> you do. You look it. You're starting to look thank it. you. <laughs> Well, that's just mean. That's very. I don't, know, mean. I don't even know why we got on this year old joke because you're not even that much older than me. I'm now officially six years older than you, but apparently that's pretty old. But I'll well, take. If it, it makes you feel any better, we'll be closer when I have a birthday again. So. Yeah, it is my birthday tomorrow. My wife's birthday is three days after mine. Valentine's Day was yesterday. So this is always a busy week in our house, but just happy to have made it 38 turns around the sun. I will tell you when I was like 17, I was like, there's no way I'm going to make it. So (laughs) just being here is a good thing. So, well, hey, you made it 20 years beyond that. So good job. I know. I'm very proud of myself. I thought that hard living would get me a lot sooner. So (laughs) just. Just happy to be here. But this is a short on time week. It is your episode. I took a little peek at the notes and I am actually really excited to get into this. Talk to us a little bit about what we're going to be covering this week. So this case is a little bit different than the normal that we do, but I'm not going to spoil too much of it because I'd rather just kind of tell the story and let it pan out for itself. So Monday you brought the killer clown and this, my short on time for this week is actually called killer for hire. So I thought that was kind of funny because we definitely didn't know we were doing that to each other. No, we didn't. And like I said, I got the notes and sometimes it's hard for me not to do a little peek through and I was going through and I was just like, oh, this is awesome. So I'm just really excited to, to get into it. And what do you say? I know this is a short on time episode. You don't have a lot of time. I know I don't have a lot of time. Our listeners are probably like, we don't have a lot of time. So should we just jump into it? 
Yeah, so on September 6, 2006, 51-year-old Susan Kuhnhauser, an emergency room nurse, was getting home from a shift when she saw a note left by her husband that said, Sue, haven't been sleeping, had to get away, went to the beach, Mike. She proceeded to go upstairs to the bedroom. Noticing that it was darker than normal, she thought she must have forgot to open the curtains before she left in the morning. Suddenly, she was attacked by a man who was wearing yellow rubber gloves and holding a hammer. Susan immediately began to fight back. She was hit in the head with the hammer and knocked to the ground. He continued to attack her and Susan continued to fight as she realized he was there to kill her. In that moment, with adrenaline pumping, Susan's skills and ER experience kicked in. She wrestled with her attacker, ultimately stealing the hammer and hitting him in the head several times. She asked him repeatedly, who sent you? He was not replying to her. They continued to grapple until she got her hands around his throat, cutting off his air supply. That's when Susan immediately stopped and tried to run away. The attacker was able to catch her in the hallway and began punching her. Susan continued to fight, biting his arms and legs. She was able to get the attacker into a chokehold and demanded he tell her who sent him. When he didn't respond, she continued to squeeze his neck until he stopped moving. Susan quickly grabbed the hammer and went to her neighbors to call 911. So before we go any further, can we just pause for a second? And I apologize to our listeners in advance for any adult language, but we can we talk about how much of a badass this woman is? Because this is the part when I was kind of peeking at your notes, I was like, oh my God, Like she gets him in a chokehold. I just imagine like she's got him in like an arm bar, like a UFC fight. And she's like, who sent you? You That's know what I mean? Basically what it was. I mean, this woman, I mean, if anybody that listens to this show is an ER nurse or anybody that works in an emergency room, you know there's some crazy stuff that happens in there. It is like wild sometimes. I get to go to the ER several times in a week usually, and it's just a sight to see sometimes. You never know what you're going to see, what's going to be happening, who's going to be yelling. Like It's wild, so you have to know how to defend yourself. Yeah, and it was just one of those things where as I was going through and kind of peeking, I was like, Man, this is definitely fight or flight. And she was like, not me, not today, son. You know what I mean? And like, it's really refreshing. And I don't know if that's the right word to use, but we do so many of these stories where something like this happens and unfortunately someone loses their life Mm -hmm. and she made the decision. She was like, not me. If it's you or me, it is definitely going to be you. And I was just like, that's so awesome. Yeah, I mean, she definitely went into fight mode for sure, for sure. And, you know, she was saying that when she choked him the first time, he turned blue, you know, that she was afraid she was going to kill him, you know, but we'll keep going into this story. Yeah, it seems like there was a compassionate side, like she could have choked him to death and she was like, I just need to get out of the situation, which I think there's a lot of foresight in that to just be like, I'm just trying to save my life, not necessarily take somebody else's. Yeah. And I know that you mentioned in the beginning that her husband had left a note. Like, can you tell me a little bit more about their relationship? Yeah, Susan and her husband, Michael, had been married for 18 years. The couple had a great few years, but eventually separated after Michael became abusive and developed a gambling addiction. The couple did not live together, but talked frequently. On the day of the attack, Mike had been at the home to look after the cats. Okay, I got you. So they had been together for a while, but at some point things went bad and they were kind of living separately, which is crazy because I don't know about you, but I know people that have relationships like this where they've been married for a long time. Something happens and they just kind of separate and it's easier to stay together and be separated than it is to like go through a divorce or kind of take those next steps. So they just kind of live in this weird like, well, we're still together, but we're not together kind of thing. So that's what it sounds, at least to me, that's what it sounds like. 
Yeah, that's what it seemed like to me as well. But when the police arrived back at the house, they found the body of Edward Haffey. Susan Kuhnhausen had managed to kill her attacker. Police found a pair of yellow gloves and a backpack that had a daily planner. In the planner, they found a note dated for September 4th. The note read, Call Mike, along with a phone number. This number was found to belong to Michael Kuhnhausen. Michael was a janitorial supervisor at a local adult video store. Police discovered that Michael worked with a man named Edward Haffey. Haffey was a 59-year-old with an extensive criminal record. He had previously served nine years for hiring a hitman to kill his ex-girlfriend in 1991. Now, when police began digging a little deeper in the crime scene, they found that there was no forced entry. In fact, the alarm code, which was the couple's anniversary, had been disabled. Susan, still in close contact with Michael, never changed the locks or alarm codes. At some point, Haffey introduced Michael to his former cellmate. This man would later testify that he and Haffey met with Michael about what he thought was a burglary job. Little did he know, Michael would offer him $5,000 to kill his wife, and the unnamed man refused. It was then that Haffey volunteered to take on the task for a steeper price of $50,000. Police, now knowing the connection between the men, began searching for Michael Kuhnhausen. He was found and arrested a week later in Sunnyside, Oregon. The day after his arrest, Susan filed for divorce. On August 30, 2007, Michael pled guilty to soliciting a murder-for-hire plot against his wife. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Susan began to feel paranoid and afraid and felt like she was being watched. She constantly worried about the day that her ex-husband would be released from prison. But oddly enough, Michael Kuhnhausen died in prison three months shy of his release date. Susan continued to struggle for many years. People saw her as a hero and praised her for killing her attacker. But Susan did not see it in that sense. In fact, Susan has said that after she received the news that her attacker had died, she immediately thought of his family. She said, quote, Everybody has somebody who loves them. Children, a wife, a mother, a dad. The worst of this is not that somebody tried to kill me, but that I had to kill someone else to survive. But I have no shame because I did not choose this death for him. I chose my life. I chose life. Susan has dedicated her life to helping other survivors of violent crimes. She now works with a local organization in the Portland area. In 2017, Susan, who now goes by Susan Walters, worked with the local DA's office to help create Case Companion, which is a free website dedicated to supporting victims of crime in the area. This website provides information about the justice system and how victims can track their offenders' court dates, sentencing details, and information about offenders when they are released. So that's it for this week's Short on Time. It's a little bit different than normal, but what'd you think? I loved this story. You know, kind of what I was talking about before, there are so many cases that we do where someone tries to hurt someone else, and unfortunately they succeed. And in this case, I mean, it's like something out of a movie. You know what I mean? You've got this woman who is attacked. She decides that she's not going to take it. Not only does she decide that she's not going to take it, but she has compassion for the person who is attacking her and has the opportunity to take his life more than once and only does it because she absolutely has to. Yeah. And I think, you know, when she was trying to choke him the first time and then she like saw that, you know, he was becoming discolored and turning blue and like she was really about to kill him, she stopped. And then he continued to attack her. And I think that's when it was probably a switch of the light and be like, okay, now this is truly a life or death situation. And I just thought it was really cool that one, she's a badass nurse, excuse my language, but 
she overcame her attacker. And I think it's amazing. And I think that she should be proud. And it's a sad situation that she should have never been put in by her husband. But I think it's awesome that, you know, she actually lived to tell the story. I completely agree. And I think the other thing for me too, is when we have these cases, we always try to talk about the silver lining because again, even though she survived and even though she was able to stop her attacker, she seems like a compassionate person and there's still a level of trauma that she's very obviously carrying around. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine that even with that kind of trauma, it's very easy to succumb to something like that and be like, oh, well now I'm a murderer. You know what I mean? And instead of letting those demons win or, or that trauma kind of control things, she then gets involved with her local DA to help other people, you know? And those are the things that I love hearing when we do these stories, because there's so much sadness and a lot of darkness. And there's a lot of stuff that we talk about that, like I have to process before we come on and do this podcast, because, you know, you're doing the research, you're like, man, like this is horrible. And then you have to come and talk about it. Right. So like, mm-hmm. You have to kind of get those feelings out before you can have a conversation about it. And in this case, she was just like, yes, this is a terrible thing that happened. I feel sorry for his family. I wish it didn't turn out this way, but I'm going to help others and make sure that somebody else doesn't have to feel these feelings that I'm having. So I don't know. It's just a crazy story. Like it it sounds like a Netflix original movie. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I didn't elaborate a whole lot on is like, you know, he was only sentenced to 10 years in prison. So there was a decade of time that she feared for herself and she worried, what if he has more money? What if he gets out and he comes after me? Like, how am I going to be safe when he gets out of prison? And I also wondered, and I don't know if maybe it was because like if Susan was murdered, he would get life insurance. You know, I don't know if it's something like that, where even though they were separated, like maybe she was still a beneficiary or something like that. Like, you know, that's speculation. I have no idea. But I was like, how much can a janitorial manager at an adult video store be making that they could be like, I'm going to pay you $50,000. And then when you said 10 years, I was like, oh, well, that's ridiculous because this is why these types of things continue to happen and why domestic abuse continues to happen is because in so many of these cases, I mean, 10, you hired someone to murder this woman with a hammer. It's like 10 years because it's technically conspiracy. You didn't actually do it. But exactly like you said, a decade goes by rather quickly when you're older. You know what I mean? And to have to worry about like, oh man, what's going to happen, you know, when he gets out, that's, I'm sure that's terrifying to think about every single day. And it's probably like being in a prison of your own, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. So we're still short on time, John. So let's go ahead and jump into the deadbolt test. Where are you putting this one? These ones always get me. And I know we're short on time, so I'm going to try to keep it quick, but I'm a married man. And so the idea of like your spouse turning on you and you don't know, like I said, it's nothing that like in my logical mind, I'm like, oh, I really need to like worry about this. But when you hear these stories, it's kind of like, well, could Should I, I be worried about this? <laughs> right. Uh, I have a lot of faith in my relationship and my wife is a wonderful person. So, but it's just that idea of someone that you love, somebody that you care about plotting. Cause even though they're, I mean, they were separated, they hadn't been divorced. They were still speaking. They were comfortable being in each other's homes. There still had to be some kind of love there, at least from what she thought, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or else you wouldn't have that kind of relationship. So the idea that somebody like you care about and somebody that you're invested in would do something like that. I'm, I'm putting this at a seven. This is hitting a seven for me for sure. What about you? Yeah. I think the spouse is murdering each other is scary to me. Um, and it happens way more than I think we let on or know about. 
Like there's a lot more crimes that are happening as I'm like looking for cases that you're like, oh my God, I never even heard about this. So they definitely fall up high for me. I'm going to put it at a five. I just thought this case was really cool in the sense that, you know, she's a nurse and she just used her intuition and her gut and her training and her experience to save her life. And I think that speaks volumes to the strength that Susan has. And again, I just thought it was a cool episode because, you know, our victim actually lived to tell us about it. Yeah, not only did she live, I mean, like, she dominated. You know what she I mean? She did. She chokeholded him. She like when, put him in a chokehold. When you were saying, like, she was like, who sent you? I just heard the Batman voice. He was like, who sent who you? Sent you? you know what I mean? So, yeah, she is... You know, again, we're going to drop our third adult word in this episode, but a total badass. And I'm just so glad that she made it out of there. So that is where we fall on the deadbolt test. Olivia's putting it at a five. I'm going a little bit higher at a seven, but we want to know where does Michael Kuhnhausen and the killer for hire fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at Check the Locks Pod. Find us on Twitter at Check the Locks. And if you're not in our Facebook group, what are you doing? Come hang out with us. We would love to have you as part of our community. If you are interested in financially supporting Check the Locks, you can help us keep the lights on by becoming a patron. Head over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks. You can sign up. We got a bunch of different tiers. We got exclusive stickers, mugs, t-shirts, all sorts of stuff just for being a patron. So if you would like to help us keep the lights on, that is the best way to do that. And if you cannot financially support Check the Locks, we definitely understand the times are what they are, and we totally get that. Just listening to the show, hanging out with us every week, sharing it with your friends means just as much, if not more. So if you are one of our weekly listeners, you're following every case, sharing it with the people that you care about, just know that we appreciate that so much, and it does help us more than you would ever know. That is all that we have for this week's short on-time episode. Please make sure you are subscribed to Check the Locks on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. We will see you again next week with an all new, truly terrifying, bite-sized true crime case. But until then, don't forget to check the locks. See you next week. Bye.